Well, welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes, and today we're going to continue um, our study through the book of James, written by the brother of Jesus Christ, same mother, different father, of course. And um, you know James, as we talked about last week, was a leader in the church at Jerusalem, and uh, how he was critical of Jesus before. We looked in the book of John, where Jesus' brethren um, basically ridiculed him, but then after the resurrection, Jesus, uh, excuse me, James' whole view of Jesus changed, um, and he saw himself as a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in chapter one, verse one. So today we're going to be looking at the book of James, and we're going to continue through chapter one. And the thing I love about the book of James and why I call it kind of a New Testament Proverbs is it's filled with practical advice. And James moves through this first chapter. Yes, a lot of people say, well, the first chapter is all about trials. That's true, but he also gives us other ideas and other principles um, and then goes back to the idea of trials. In Jewish culture, the rabbis would practice what they called a string of pearls. Um, and sometimes this would be taking various other scriptures and tying them together or to take various ideas in a teaching uh, to hold the attention. And so James does that. It kind of forms a uh, sandwich, if you will. He starts out talking about trials. Then he talks about one thing, and then he kind of goes back to trial. And, and there's a vice, uh, back and forth here. So we're going to see that at play. But one of the things that James teaches us is how believers view material matters that that matters and i'm speaking of wealth money property material matters we we live in a world obsessed with money and power people kill for it people ignore their families for it people work themselves to death for it people break the law for it money and power are the ultimate motivators in this fallen world however this is reprehensible to god as Paul warned Timothy, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows, 1 Timothy 6.10. So, moreover, Jesus warned of the difficulty of rich people to enter the kingdom of God and accept the gospel. He said, and again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, Matthew 19.24. But whether you're rich or poor, somewhere in the middle, this passage that we're going to look at today is for you. We should never view wealth and material matters the way in which a lost person views them. Our view should be rooted in Scripture with eternity in mind. And so what I want you to understand is the Christian attitude towards material matters matters to God. And so let's read our text and let's, let's begin our exposition. James 1, 9 through 11, James says this, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away, for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flowers falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. And so the first thing we see in verse number 9 is James makes this statement. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. So we see, first of all, the Christian attitude towards material poverty. He says the lowly brother. Now, clearly this is geared towards a saved person because the term brother is used. Not just any saved person, but a lowly one. 
Now, what does that word lowly mean in this com in this context? Topinos in the Greek, it means of a low estate, a low place in society due to the lack of wealth and power. Now, do we not see this same principle play in the world? The poor man has a harder time getting food, shelter, medicine, respect, etc. The rich man, however, he can afford the best insurance, the most expensive food, the biggest house, the fastest car, silk underwear, and everything else. Uh, I tell you, it's hard for a poor man. A poor man commits a crime and they throw him under the prison. A rich man commits a crime, he gets a fancy lawyer, and he gets away with a slap on the wrist. The poor man eats bologna sandwiches with sunbeam bread, and the rich man steak, caviar, and pan-seared mahi-mahi. It's hard for a person of low degree in this world, yet James says, let the lowly brother glory. Now, my goodness, what in the world could a lowly man glory about? His medical bills he can't pay? His mortgage that's past due? Let me quote the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Hard times is when a man has worked a job 30 years, 30 years, and they give him a watch, kick him in the back, and say, hey, a computer took your place, Daddy. That's hard times. Now, I, I love to quote uh, these old wrestlers, but all jokes aside, it would seem that the poor man has nothing to glory in, yet James says that he should glory in his exaltation. How has he been exalted, though? Pastor, I mean, he's poor. He's broke. He gets no respect. Well, I'll tell you how. When a poor man in this world's regard repents and receives Christ, he becomes a rich man in spiritual matters that never pass away. And I can think of many reasons. First of all, he inherits heaven as opposed to hell. Now, that's a pretty good reason right there. When he leaves this world, he will enter the eternal and lovely abode of God and there rest in the presence of Jesus while the ages roll. Now, what, what good would money do if a man has not Christ? All the money in the world cannot buy an air conditioner in hell or a glass of water either one. He glories in his exaltation. Let the poor Christian rejoice in the fact that he is born again. Secondly, he's been exalted as a joint heir with Christ. Paul wrote in Romans 8, 16 through 17, the Spirit expressed himself, excuse me, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if we indeed suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We're going to inherit this whole world and more anyways. So it really doesn't matter to the lowly brother who maintains this attitude towards material poverty. Poverty. Let's also recognize this, that God is no respecter of persons. Paul said in Romans 2, I believe it was, all the labels that separate believers down here, such as rich or poor, they disappear in heaven. Your room will be no better than my room when we get to heaven. Now, you may have a $60,000 car, two or three boats, a big house, and everything else down there, but up in heaven, you're going to be just like me, and I'm going to be just like you. And so let me give you an illustration to drive this home point, to drive this point home. There's an old song, and it goes like this, tells a story. It says, belong to the king, I belong to the king. With Jesus my Savior, I belong to the king. Now, back many years ago in slavery time, there was a rich man who owned as far as the eye could see. In fact, he was the richest man alive in the country. One particular morning, he was out riding his beautiful stallion down one of his many fields, and he heard someone sing, I belong to the king, I belong to the king. With Jesus my Savior, I belong to the king. He got off his horse and he walked over to the old black man named Mose. 
And he said, Mose, why are you so happy? It's already 90 degrees in the shade. It's getting hotter by the minute. You don't have anything to sing about. You look up at the end of that field. That little old shack was built from timber. I cut off my land and sawed it at my sawmill to build you a house to live in. You don't have any money. You're a slave. You belong to me. And then old Mose grinned and looked up at the sky, and he began to sing. I belong to the king. I belong to the king. With Jesus, my Savior, I belong to the king. Moses said, Now my father is rich in houses and lands, and he holds the wealth of the world in his hands, all the rubies, even diamonds, and all the silver and gold. His coffers are full. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He has riches untold. Well, the rich man straddled his salient and went on about his way. But that night in the dream, the angel of the Lord appeared and told him that at 6 o'clock tomorrow, the richest man in the country was going to die. So the next morning, the rich man, he rose, and he started making arrangements for his own funeral. He called in all his relatives, friends, and went to town. He bought a beautiful new suit, the most expensive casket money could buy. And that afternoon, they gathered around the rich man's home just to tell him goodbye. But at 6 o'clock, nothing happened. And everyone thought it was strange, for God never lied. And suddenly, there was a knock at the door, and a voice screaming said, Master, Master, Old Mose just died, and the rich man's mind began to wonder, and he could hear old Mose singing, I belong to the king, I belong to the king. With Jesus my Savior, I belong to the king. You see, the richest man in the country wasn't the rich man, but the poor man, because he had riches in Christ. That's why the Bible tells us to store up for ourselves treasure in heaven, where thieves cannot break and steal, where moth does not corrupt, and they'll never pass away. You see, contentment comes when we realize that no matter what our possessions are, if we have Christ, we have everything we need. And while we sympathize with those of, of us that struggle with lack of material wealth and we try to help anywhere we can, we must realize to those of us that are in that situation that Jesus is our greatest treasure. These material things do not matter. In the end, they can actually work to your detriment as we'll see in the next several verses. So we see, first of all, in verse 9, the Christian attitude towards material poverty. And then next, in verses 10 to 11, we see the Christian attitude towards material wealth. James gives a warning to wealthy believers. He says, But the rich man in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away, for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearances perish, so the rich man also will fade away as pursued. You see, the rich believer should glory in his humiliation. In other words, he must check his pride at the door. Do not count himself above any other brother or sister in Christ, regardless of how much money, power, or material matters he has. Friend, this is why it's so hard for a rich man to be saved, because he has so much money and power that he puts his trust in that, because that's where the world says security lies that money equals power. I mean, we know the kind of life the rich live among us, yet how silly it is to trust in riches that you cannot take with you. Because as the flower of the field, you're going to pass away. Grass withers and dies, and so will all of us. As James says much more about money later in the book, let me just say this. Pursuing wealth only in this life is a fading and pointless pursuit, as James wrote so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuit. So the rich man must humble himself 
and consider that though God has blessed him with riches, those riches are meaningless. And the real riches are found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. No wonder Paul said it was given unto him to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. What are the unsearchable riches? They're Christ himself. Christ is the riches. Christ are the riches. However you would say that. You see, it's okay to be wealthy. If God has blessed you materially, that's not a sin. Okay? I can, go, I can take my Bible and show you rich people that God used. What about Lydia? Did not Lydia help Paul establish these churches? And she was loaded. Uh, she, she was a woman of great wealth. Abraham was wealthy. Okay? It's, there's nothing wrong with being what Joseph of Arimathea was wealthy. Nicodemus, uh, we, we know from Jewish history that he was a wealthy man. And yet they were believers. So having wealth is not a sin. That's not what James is saying. But when wealth has you, now that's a sin. Be warned. How you view material matters and how you use them, you're going to be held responsible for that. To whom much is given, much is required. And I think one of the most ironic things in the churches is the people with the most money often give the least and vice versa. Be careful, because if money is your God, then hell will be your home. The love of money, not the money itself, but the love of it, is the root of all evil. Let me again say this in a pithy way. It's okay to have wealth as long as wealth doesn't have you. You see, the Christian attitude towards material matters matters to God. How you view your position on earth versus your position as a child of God matters. Do not lust for wealth because it cannot satisfy. I mean, have you ever met a rich person? I worked for a rich, well, several rich men at one time, but several years ago I worked in a plant, and my boss was a rich man, millionaire. Now, I've never seen a million dollars, never seen half a million dollars, never seen $100,000. <laughs> I don't even know what that looks like. You think inflation's hurting you, try being a pastor. Inflation's killing us. But anyways, that's beside the point. I had this boss. Now, he loved his money. Ladies and gentlemen, he read a book one day at lunch. We saw him reading a book, and the book was entitled How to Stay a Millionaire. He would check his bank account at work on company time. I mean, he loved that money. But I'm going to tell you something. He was a miserable man. He was an alcoholic, as a matter of fact. Miserable. And all he could think about was get more money. But the more money he got, he never got happier. He never experienced more satisfaction. You know why? Because as St. Augustine has been attributed to saying, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. Money cannot satisfy. Wealth and power cannot satisfy. Well, look at all these rich, famous people. They got money, power, cars, and clothes. And how many of them have hanged themselves, shot themselves? Look back, I forgot the famous lady that owned the... Uh, the clothes, the clothing company, I can't think of her name now, and the purse company, they found her dead in her apartment and killed herself. We think of the famous actors who had it all, killed themselves. We think of not too long ago, the mother of the Judd sisters, famous country music singer, money, money, I'm telling you, power, big fancy Cadillacs, two and three homes, yachts, killed herself. She was miserable. Why? Because money is a fading thing. Here today, gone tomorrow. When, you're, when you die, or do you no good, 
You say, well, Pastor, I just don't know if I think about that. Well, have you ever thought about Luke chapter 16? And I'm paraphrasing. I'm not quoting verbatim. Rich man dies and goes to hell. Poor man dies and goes to heaven. Poor man had Jesus. So he got to go to Abraham's bosom and rest in peace, harmony, relaxation, love, and joy. The rich man, with all his fancy clothes and big money, he died and went to hell. All he had didn't follow him. It's what he didn't have that ended up costing him, and what he didn't have was a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, wealth cannot satisfy. And as believers, we better be very, very, very careful how we view material matters because it matters to God, and it will affect how we live our lives. Now, if you've got it, and some people got it, don't lord it over others, but rather use it for the work of the church. Use it to bless others. Give more to missions. Give more to your church. You see somebody struggling, buy them dinner. I mean, something. And to those of you that don't have it, or somewhere in the middle, like most of us, just remember, it's all about Jesus. If you've got Jesus, you've got everything you need. And when you die, you're going to heaven. And the Bible says the meat shall inherit the earth. And those are, that's those that are in Jesus Christ. So at the end of the day, you own it all anyways. I, I live in a part of the world uh, down here in Spartanburg County, South Carolina, surrounded by several rich people. I see them with their big two-story houses, two or three cars for one person, boats. Man, I, I can't afford my car payment, much less a boat payment. And they have it all. But, you know, I joke sometimes. I tell the church, I say, you know what? You ride past that big piece of property down here in Enery, all these hundreds of acres, and they building these big fat mansions. I said, did you know I own that? And they said, well, you don't own that. I said, sure I do. The Bible says I'm a joint heir with Christ, and we're going to inherit the earth. I already own it. Now, I ain't claimed it yet, but I already own it. You say, well, you're being silly. Well, I am, but I'm proving a point that the greatest treasure is to know God. And if you have Jesus, you have everything you, you need. Ladies and gentlemen, the Christian attitude towards material matters matters. And so I hope that maybe wherever you are, finally, I, I don't know, it's none of my business. I hope that you'll keep the proper perspective that Christ is the greatest riches. The gospel is the pearl of great price. To know Christ is far more precious than rubies or gold. What's the old song say? I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than wealth untold. Something like that. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what James is driving here at because he's writing to a group of people that are being persecuted. The first century church, primarily the Jews made up in the church in Jerusalem, they're being persecuted. Many of them are losing their status in the synagogue, they were kicked out of the synagogue because they followed what was known as the way taught by the Apostle Paul. Many of them lost family connections, lost money, lost jobs, lost land. But they gained far more than that because Jesus said, it's not anybody lost something for my sake, and again, I'm paraphrased, that we'll not gain it so many fold. You see, when I, I may lose some family members when I got saved. They don't have nothing to do with me. But I got saved into a family that's bigger than my own family, the family of God. I may have lost a job here or there because of a Christian stand I took, but I gained far more wealth because when Jesus comes back, it's all mine and his anyways. You see, the principle is this. It's okay to have wealth. Just don't let wealth have you. 
the attitude towards uh, the Christian attitude, excuse me, tongue tied, the Christian attitude towards material matters matters to Christ. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope you'll continue to dig into the book of James. Take these podcasts and let them teach you the word of God so the Holy Spirit can work in your heart to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. God bless you, and I hope you'll join us next time.